Hi, this is Aaron Azrod, and welcome to the 100th episode of the Truth Island Podcast. When we think of pride, we often think of someone standing tall, tucking in their shirt, and maintaining an immaculate kept home. We think of someone who proudly speaks up when they are being insulted and does not submit to temptations such as begging for money or asking for help as their pride is a source of something they are proud of. However, the Greeks had another word for this known as hubris, which meant selfishness or putting one's needs ahead of society. Eventually, this term would be translated into Latin, and the term vainglory would be entered into the seven deadly sins under Pope Gregory. According to early Christian thought, pride was said to be one of the most serious and original of sins, as it represents a direct turning away from God. For example, it is often said that the word Lucifer, which means morning star or shining one, originates from the fact that Lucifer was once an angel or a star that shined the brightest in heaven. However, in many stories, it is said because of Lucifer's excess pride and jealousy of God, he is ultimately kicked out of heaven, becoming more of a fallen star than a shining one. Under the seven deadly sins, it is written that pride is the source of all other sins, as the belief in one's divinity or specialness is the fundamental reason why people commit crimes and hurt others. It is written that once the idea enters a man's head that he is special or above others, that gives him license to do just about anything to anyone. This more ancient notion of pride in many respects conflicts with our modern notion of pride. Phrases such as, he washed his car with great pride, or she took great pride in making Christmas dinner, are often a dime a dozen. But how can this be? How did a term reviled by the Greeks and associated with the devil himself enter our modern day lexicon without anyone batting an eye? Furthermore, is there such a thing as healthy pride? And if so, How is it different than unhealthy pride? Joining me to help shed some light on pride, I am once again joined by Kenny. So Kenny, I guess we shouldn't be too proud of the work that we're doing here, right? We should be, we should be in shame. I mean, I'm incredibly proud of this. This is, this is going on my mental. (laughs) For shame, sir, for shame. How dare you? (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 um, I think that you're right. There's been a very, there's been a shift in the way we think of pride. And um, I mean, even going back simply back to, you know, the, the seven deadly sins, or seven cardinal sins, pride was a biggie. And there was an understanding that this was in fact the, I would say it was the biggie because it was an understanding that this was the thing that was, I believe it was, I don't know, I forget who said it, but it was, it said that pride is the mother of all sins. And so this was the mother, this was the, the, you know, the big bang of sins, the thing that started it all. And it's even said to have been so powerful that it could corrupt angels, you know, let alone mere men. And so moving out into the, you know, into our modern days and, um, and we see that pride is actually, it's not, it's not this bad, it's not this corrupting agent or not agents, but, you know, this corrupting idea or, you know, passion. But rather, it be, it's it's something that every man needs to have a little bit of, you know. In fact, a, a lot bit would be a, <laughs> would be uh, would be applauded. Now we have to kind of, I think, reconcile the ancient term, like the ancient term, with the modern term, because I, yeah. I think that a lot a lot is getting lost. So we have we have the Greeks who speak of hubris, and the way the Greeks describe it is it was dangerous because basically if you thought a little too highly of yourself you got into the pattern of believing that you were above other human beings and mm-hmm. therefore that that could lead you to do some dangerous things like you 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 would not let's say um in you know like like you would not participate in mandatory military service you're like whoa 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 i'm not i'm not just a regular soldier i'm above that and this idea that you are above others disrupts communal there's this belief in our society or maybe not so much in america america is a very individualistic society but in other societies there's this idea that the cooperative always triumphs the individual i think in america it's actually the reverse of that 
Yeah, I believe that. And uh, um, America is very, it's, it's very, you know, individualistic. And, and that's, and I think that is actually where, why it's easier for, you know, for pride to be um, not only, not, for, not only for pride to arise, but for, for pride to be glorified. But the whole idea of hubris, you know, um, think the puff, the puffed upness, thinking of oneself, you know, greater um, than he ought to think. I think there's a verse somewhere in the Bible that says, "Do not think, do not consider, do not consider yourself more highly than you ought to think of yourself," and so forth. But that that the sense of you know the man who sees himself as you know the don, the man who sees himself, even if it's just a hair, just a hair, you know, um, greater a hair's length greater or bigger than his neighbor. And he has a joy in that. He has a, a satisfaction in the fact that he's, you know, he's got a, 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 a model. That, they've got the same car, but his model is just one year older. And he smiles at that. He just, you know, he just loves that. There's a problem there. That That is hubris. That is that. And it's not, it's, I think there are two two types of pride. I think there's one pride, the one, one type of pride, one type of hubris, I would say that is very recognizable while the other one is not. The first is the, how you say, the um, aggressive, while the other is the passive. The aggressive hubris is the person who, you know, he, he's the loud mouth, he's the one who's pointing the fingers, telling everybody to shut up, sit down, he's the CEO, he's the boss, you know, you can't challenge him. And he, you know, he's a, uh, he's gonna do whatever it takes to be on top while the other the passive hubris the passive um the counter to that would be the guy who thinks that he's nothing he's nothing at all he's the worst of all people he's the you know he's everything in this world is against him he is the victim of the world i mean people think wow what a how can that be prideful how can i be hubris well it is because here's the thing it's a complete cock up. No, the whole world is not against you, but you enjoy you enjoy that theatrical idea that the world is against you. You like being the tragic hero, just like the first guy likes being just the uh, you know the badass hero, only that you know he ends up being a villain. The other person ends up being the tragic. He loves being the tragic hero. He loves that you know when it's it's almost just a, just a little bit of a flip. People look at him and they say, "Oh, he's so tragic." that sense in a sense he's better than some others because not only is he tragic but he's enduring his tragedy now i i think i think you've made a really good distinction here and i want to talk about the um the first definition you gave and i think what you're alluding to is basically an egocentric view of the world where um, you know, I am the best and I can't be challenged. That's one form of egocentrism where it's like, mm. I am the CEO. Don't you dare challenge me. You know, if, 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 if I am wrong, then it's not me that's wrong. It's the world that's wrong. And then you also have this in the tragic figure who thinks that the world is against him, right? That his yeah. plight and all of, I think both of these egocentric, um, points of view have a huge degree of selfishness and, and, um, centeredness to, to them yeah. right and in, in that in that everything is in relation to who you are right there's yeah. no there's no other there's no reality outside of your reality i you know I, I think there's this like idea i think it's like under soulfulism that there's this idea that like you're the only real person and everyone else is a, a, a like a, a simulation or everyone else is fake they're all the they're just they're just you know, programmed actors, you know, it's like, it's kind of like that movie, The Truman Show. Everyone else in the environment is an actor. He's the only real guy. He's the only yeah. real person that experiences NPCs. things. Yes, exactly. And I think that this, this is highly dangerous because when you see the world through this lens, you kind of deprive others of their humanity, right? Because if you, if you think that everything is, if you're, if you think that you're the only human and that the whole story arc revolves around you, well, then everyone else is a robot. Everyone else is less than human. I'm the only human. I'm the only one that cries. I'm the only one that laughs. I'm the only one that gets angry. So that I think is highly dangerous. And then that particular is what I think the Greeks are trying to warn us of. Yeah, I think so too, and I think it's 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 highly dangerous and it's highly conceited, and the, the that the the kind of relationships that you know, 
um, the kind of relationships or situations that a person like that ends up being involved in become very narcissistic or pathetic or, you know, um, very, they become people that there's a saying these days, whenever, you know, I talk to my sisters, they say, I just don't like drama. Well, that's what they mean. That's what they mean. They mean that they're dealing with a person who is not living a life, but dancing a dance on the stage. They are playing a part on the stage and they have to be as dramatic and as flamboyant and as, you know, expressive as possible. And you're not dealing with an actual human. And if he doesn't see you as a human. He sees you simply as a character to advance his character. He sees you as a character to bounce lines off. It, 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 has, it, has, it has a lot of problems. Now, I think that this is where we think of pride as being the mother of all sins or, or the mm. mother of all atrocities, right? Yeah. Because you have this worldview and then the next logical extension of this pride is I'm the only real character in this play. Everyone else is fake. Therefore, I can do as many heinous acts to them as as humanly as I want because they're not real, right? You, you come yep. to a point where their worth, their value, and their realness is less than your realness. Therefore, I can take advantage of people. I can steal with. I can steal from them. As long as I don't end up in a prison cell, I can pretty much do whatever I want. As long as I don't get caught. Yeah, I mean, this is basically. This was Hitler's way. This is his, this was his thing, national pride. It was, you know, we are a certain, I mean, this is, it's not just his way. It is, and is the, it is the way of anyone who wants to, you know, either depending on your agenda, depending on your goal, if you're alone or if you're trying to mass, you know, um, um, gather a mass of people, it's, it, you, you have to touch the same thing. It's pride. You have to touch their pride one way or the other, whether it's religious pride, the Crusades, you know, we are God's people, so we will slaughter. If you want to touch, you know, if you talk about nationalistic pride in you know, a nationalism, which I believe that, you know, patriotism is a beautiful thing, but of course, everything, it has its dangers. And this is the dark side of patriotism, is that when you touch that national pride and everybody else stops being humans or being, you know, um, people who actually love their own country and so forth, then they're dogs for the slaughter. So the idea that it is pride is in fact the mother of all sins. Yes. Yes. I mean, to some extent, I would say yes to that because in the end, because, because you, because you consider yourself far greater than anybody else, you will lie. What is it? What is it to lie to somebody who you don't see as a human being? It's nothing. You'll steal from them. You'll take what they. What, you'll take what they it's have. It's a transaction. It, it's just a transaction. It is, you know. And if if you're the highest authority, if and usually when it comes to pride, anyone who's prideful thinks they are the highest authority. If you're the highest authority, you're calling the shots. You're making the rules. So you're not really breaking any rules at all. You're just changing them in for your own, you know, for your own advantage, for your own favor. That and that is exactly. I mean, I think uh, Milton expresses this in Paradise Lost is exactly what Lucifer's problem is, is that he thinks he's at the same level as God or better than God and 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 essentially like leads a revolt against him. And I, I think, you know, whether you look at this in a religious context or in a non-religious context, I think this there's this idea that every human being needs a certain degree of humility within their soul and within their mind. That could be, you know, like for religious folks, that's, that's God for non-religious folks. It could be simply like, Hey, there's way smarter. There's way more capable human beings out there that might know a thing or two that I don't know, or, or I'm not the only one that matters. Right. So there's definitely, there's two angles that you can approach this by. Yeah. I think that, when human beings think that their mind is is of uh, is the most supreme mind, right? And their their thoughts are the most supreme. Which I, I, I actually I kind of see a lot of this going on today. Yeah, that's where we kind of get into danger because I think ex like too much pride basically negates any other point of view. Like your, your pride, like is basically, I, I've said this before in a previous podcast is like, it becomes like almost an immune system that like, like antibodies that just kill any other idea, whether that's a good idea or a bad idea coming your way. And I think that's what pride does because if you, if you don't see it, then it can't be seen. Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that the description of 
um, the image of the antibodies is perfect. Um, it is, it is, it is that reactionary. You know what I mean? It it really does attack anything that it feels threatened by. It doesn't matter whether it's a good idea, bad idea, true, false. Doesn't matter. It's just if you threaten, if it threatens me, I'm not. Um, I'm not going to let it stand. And you're right. I mean, a lot of people like this is America. This is the you know actually the greatest nation in the history of the world. And it's it's produced. It's been it's been a you know bedrock for for the entire world. I mean, many people leave their their birth countries, their their you know their motherlands, and come to come to the United States of America to make new homes. They want to be adopted by her, and they end up they end up you know being faithful servants to her, faithful citizens. There's idea here that you know, pride is very real here, and so the you know you talked about you know great minds, people who think that there's no other mind besides theirs. Well, yeah, that's that's very much alive here, very much alive. I mean, it's alive. Don't get me wrong; it's alive everywhere in the world. Wherever there is a mind, there is pride. It's just it's there, except you know, except excuse me, except for you know, um, uh, people who have mental disabilities and so forth. But for where, wherever there is a wherever there is a healthy mind. Wherever there is a and and kind of begs the question, whose mind is healthy? Wherever there is a healthy mind, there is there is pride. So I I, I think I, I hear what you're saying. So I think one thing that we could all do, religious, non-religious, mm. is we all need to fundamentally come to terms with that each of our minds is fundamentally flawed in some way. That's probably it's a blind spot to us. Like we don't know exactly where that blind spot is. Otherwise, it wouldn't be a blind spot, right? <laughs> so. I think if we all kind of walk around, and I think this is what Socrates preaches when he says that, you know, we're all truly ignorant, is that if we all walk around with that knowledge that we are walking vessels of blind spots and biases and prejudices and just ill-informed thinking, well, then that creates the opportunity. It leaves the door open to kind of get better and to improve. And, and, and I think that like, you know, even in, in the case of Lucifer, when Lucifer thinks that he is equal to that of God, well, where's the room for improvement, buddy? You know, like, like where, how are you actually going to get better? How, how are you going to become a better angel if you already think that there's no work to be done? And that kind of leads to a certain slothfulness in itself because you're, you're just like, well, I'm already perfect. I don't need to improve. Well, yeah, I mean, it's, it's even... Even that which is in fact perfect, if it has pride, is you know, and it's, if it has pride, is how you say. Um, not only will it become flawed, but every good thing in itself becomes, you know, it, it becomes tainted. There, there is the idea that um, how does it go? I don't know. I think it was Lewis who said that pride is not, sorry, that humility is not, you know, thinking less of yourself but thinking of yourself less mm -hmm. um so pride often is actually the man bending in on himself the man thinking of himself over and over again he measures everything in this world by himself he measures in everything in this world through himself for himself it's all about him and so pride is simply the opposite of pride would be would be more of a dealing with dealing with the other um, more than you deal with yourself. So sitting across from you, I would, my questions or my thoughts, my, um, my interests are not in how I look to you or not in how I present myself to you. I'm wondering, because a lot of people, you have, you know, and this is another part of why I think we have so much social anxiety. It's because we're always thinking about what others think of us. But if we, but it's, if we change that up and start thinking, you know, thinking of others and what they're thinking, you know, what, how they're feeling, how we can, how we can be a benefit to them, ask them questions about themselves, be interested to be genuinely interested in other people. Um, I think that's a better way, or should I say, uh, um, another way to dealing with dealing with the pride of the human heart. Okay, now th this is a very tough question. We're actually getting, a, you know, I, I actually don't know the answer to this because on one hand, you have like the Jordan Peterson viewpoint of like clean your own room first, take care of yourself first before you start going out into the world and start telling others 
what to do or start having concern for others. You got to take care of yourself to some degree. But then, on the, but, but then on the other hand, if you only take care of yourself, well, then perhaps you're guilty of the danger of excess pride because now you've casted a shadow of apathy to the outside world because you're too concerned with what's going on in your own house. So I don't exactly know where the balance is between these things because on, on one hand, you have an an obligation to take care of yourself. And on the other hand, you need to look out the window and see what the hell's going on out there. I'm glad that um, Jordan Peterson said that because I, I absolutely believe that. And hey, here's, 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 here's what, um, what I would say to the balance. I don't think there needs to be a balance at first. And here's why. If your house is incredibly filthy, if your garden is, you know, is distraught, if there's, you know, scavengers and you know um, weeds all around you have to deal with that you simply you have to deal with that it's important that you deal with that because if you're if you have if you if your gardens if your garden in your house is filthy and all these things are all these horrible things are going on inside and you want to go outside to your neighbor's house and deal with their house you must you you, you, you you're a crazy person because first of all you haven't proved to yourself that you have the tools you have the skill you have the the mind that it takes to actually deal with these very simple problems in front of you, let alone dealing with your neighbor's problems. Because your problems are simple to you because you see them through your eyes. They are your problems. His problems are not simple because they're not your problems. They might be simple to him, but not to you. They're complex to you because you don't know all the intricacies. And so if you don't know, if you can't, I would say that it's important for a person to focus on and here's the thing when 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 we focus on ourself like that it's not it's not so much prideful and here's why because you're we're dealing with our filth we're not dealing with our you know we're not polishing our diamonds we're dealing with our filth we're dealing with our our gluttony we're dealing with okay we eat too much we gotta mean we want to exercise a bit more we're dealing with okay why do i keep getting into bad relationships what am i doing uh, trust me, these questions are not going to, they're not going to make you feel like a million bucks. You're not going to wake up in the next day thinking, wow, I feel so happy right now. No, you're going to be very unhappy about the things you find out about yourself. When you think of why you, why you, why you speak to your mom the way you do, you'll understand something very interesting about your heart, about who you are. When you think about why don't I enjoy calling my friends? Why don't I talk to my friends? You'll learn, you'll learn a thing or two about yourself. Why do I speak to my wife and my son this way? So, when, when, when dealing with the, the when, when, when we focus on dealing with our garden or our houses, we are not going to come out feeling great. We're going to be tired. We're going to be, our hands are going to be filthy, you know? And, um, and, and I think it actually, it will, it will teach us a thing or two about humility. Because that is the only this so this is the only this is the only place where I see a person focusing on themselves, and actually coming out humble, because this is not a this is this does not raise you up. It does not you know it doesn't it doesn't say behold, I am before a god. No, it says behold, I'm before a swine, a complete and utter cad, and you you see yourself for the first time as you actually are. Many people are always running from themselves, and that's why they're prideful. It's the man who truly knows himself, Socrates, says, um, I know nothing. All I know is that I know nothing. And that's a, that's a man of incredible wisdom, an, incredible, an incredibly wise man. Yet he, he considers himself to be, to be ignorant. The Apostle Paul, one of the bedrocks of the Christian faith today, says, I am the worst of all men. I'm the worst of men. People who understand themselves, they understand what's really deep down, what's what's what their human condition really is. When you look at that, when you look at those things, you cannot come out um, brushing off your dusting your shoulders off and you know feeling like a pimp. I love that, man. You really, I have to give you a lot of credit, my friend. You really broke down that distinction wonderfully, right there. Bravo, sir. Bravo. So I'm gonna just kind of paraphrase what you said and make sure I got it fully in my little skull over here. Basically, when you're cleaning your house and making sure everything is tidy and perfect, you're actually doing it from a place of humility and maybe even a little bit of shame. Like you're you're a little shameful of like, man, this place is dirty. 
Um, and I got to clean it up. You're not doing it like you're not the guy who's taking a sponge and cleaning his third Mercedes Benz. Like he's you're, you're you're doing it from a place of like I'm fundamentally broken and this house is fundamentally broken and therefore I ought to fix it before I start yelling at my neighbor that he has too many weeds in his garden. So that yeah. that so I think it's a mindset thing. Like you could actually be doing the same behavior. It's actually, you know, it's funny because there's two types of men that could go to a gym, for example. They're both doing the same thing, but there's one man that goes to the gym because he says to himself, man, you know, I'm overweight and I need to lose weight and just be healthy. And then there's the guy who's like checking himself out in the mirror every five seconds and taking selfies and be like, look at my muscles or whatever. And it's the same action, right? But going to the gym is beneficial to the individual. It's not benefiting the greater society in any such way. Yeah. But how you approach that action is defining if you if you're doing it from a place of humbleness like hey my my i i am my my health is in in disorder it needs to be fixed and that's okay but if it's done out of hubris where you're staring at yourself in the mirror and, and sort of self-aggrandizing yourself beyond reasonable limits then then that's dangerous i i yes yeah the hope is that because even that man who is at the gym for his health may end up loving it he goes through the shame of oh man i i, I work really i i just i'm never going to be as good as these guys and you know i'm what well, i'm going to try and and oh i'm just I'm, I'm ashamed of how you know how overweight i am whatever six months to a year later he's looking good you know it's like oh snap oh my goodness these these things actually work and next thing you know he catches a glimpse of himself in the mirror he says oh my who is that stunning bastard? Like, yeah. And then he starts, you know, working out for the sake of the pride. He starts exercising his pride. But that doesn't have to be the case. He can always remember where he came from. He can always remember what's really important. And the human, the human experience is that we always have to be reminded. Humans, we forget. We so forget. Maybe, maybe a thing that, maybe a shift that needs to happen, and this is very difficult for it to happen, is that the second that guy looks in the mirror, let's say maybe after a year or something, right? These transformations take time. So once that guy looks in the mirror and says, whoa, hey there, handsome, that's the moment <laughs> That's the moment where he then needs to turn and help somebody else. Because now, now it's crossed, there's there, he's crossed a magical line where he's now working out for his ego and his vainglory and, and, and all those other kind of reasons. But once he starts looking in the mirror and he sees something that's pretty darn good, then, then, then the, the effort and the work he's putting in is pride-based effort and not shame-based effort. And therefore, he should then divert his attention to someone who's in more need. I think that's bloody brilliant. I think that's true. And so it, it comes down to a matter of love. So you find that love is, in fact, the most powerful drug, you know, the most powerful medicine to the worst of the human condition. And love has many arms. Love, love has the arm of kindness, has a lot, you know, arm of honesty, the, the arm of generosity, the arm of mercy and so forth. So love is incredibly wide and incredibly well equipped to deal with us harshly and even benevolently. So in that situation, most of the time when we're dealing with pride for person, we're dealing with a person who has very little thanksgiving and which is a part of love because you give thanks to that which has given to you. You give, you thank that which has given you. That's love. It's the best you can do for grandma when grandma gives you those, you know, lovely pairs of, you know, socks or, you know, when she gives you the PlayStation that you've always wanted. The least you can do is say thank you. It really is the least you can do. And that's love. She's given you love. You exchange love to her. The second one is generosity. So, that is the giving of yourself, the giving of your time, the giving of your money, the giving of something that which is yours to others, right? So pride doesn't do that. Pride is thankful to no one because it owes, it thinks it owes no one. It doesn't think it owes anyone anything. It, and it certainly isn't generous to anybody because the very fact of it being, how you say, the very fact of it being pride, when he gives, it's not for generosity. He gives because he wants to extend his own will. He gives because he wants to extend his, um, he wants to extend the, the, the public view, image of himself. So a prideful man gives you a nice lollipop or a nice, you know, don't take lollipops from, from prideful men. Um, uh, the prideful man gives you a, you know, 
uh, even if, if it's a wonderful gift, like a PlayStation or a car, brand new car. He's not giving it to you because he loves you. It's not generosity. He's giving it to you because, and trust me, there's going to be, there's going to be cameras there. There's going to be cameras. And if there's no cameras, there's going to, he's going to tell someone, oh, I just gave Philip uh, a brand new Mercedes. Don't you know? It's like, no, that's not what it's about, is it? Um, so I, I think you're right. It's, 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 it's really, it's, it's giving, yes, but it's also thankfulness. I love, there's a lot to unpack with what you just said. So um, first, pride basically negates any form of gratitude whatsoever. You cannot be grateful to anyone for anything. They're not real. So I don't have to, don't have to, grandma's not real. Don't have to thank her for the PlayStation. They owe you, they owe you you it. Yes. So any, any gratitude is there. And then now this is interesting because I, I feel that we have a lot of people in our society today who actually fit the latter category of what you were talking about. They are outwardly generous, but you're absolutely right. They are not silent saints, you know, giving money away quietly and then not telling anyone. And, you know, even I think in in Judaism, we have the concept known as mitzvahs, which is like uh, the doing of good deeds. The most highest and most virtuous good deed in Judaism is a deed performed silently without telling anybody. Like, so the guy who gives an anonymous check to some institution or, or whatever, doesn't tell a soul and no one ever knows. He goes to the grave with that secret. That is the highest form of morality. And that is the highest form of, of good deeds. And I think yeah. you're right, Kenny. We have a lot of people who do good deeds because they want to overextend their benevolence and overextend their their image of self onto the greater world like look how yeah. powerful i am look how wonderful i am and and you're right there's either cameras there or there's other people or or other people are going to find out that's going to be hot press that's going to be on the news the very next day that so and so gave that so that aaron gave you a car <laughs> yeah yeah it, it really is and it makes you wonder what we see what we see goodness to be what we think goodness kindness generosity actually is you know it's like you hear situations of i mean not so you don't hear situations you you do hear situations but actually what i'm the one i'm trying to bring up is you know um, examples in films where you have this total unkind cat of a businessman who you know takes a thousand dollar check to jimmy little jimmy in the cancer ward and he's you know smiling and rubbing Jimmy's hair. He says, oh boy, Jimmy, you're going to be just fine, kid. He's going to be just fine. We're going to take care of you. And he, once he leaves the office, he's like, you know, screw that kid. You know, like, <laughs> and, but we don't see that. We, he only wants you to see the camera. He wants you to see lights, camera, action. He wants you to see his face. This is what we do. This is what Twitter is for. Literally. This is what Instagram is for. Not that I hate Twitter or Instagram. I love these platforms. I'm grateful for them. Mm-hmm. But I think that this is what we do you announce there's announcements and announcements over announcements of you know this is what we've done for you today this is what we've done for this group today we're pledging six million today we're pledging three million well why are you telling us why are you telling us so that we can give you a clap for what helping people well good job there you go you're done good you're (laughs) You're done done good good, boy you're done (laughs) you know It's like, I, I, I agree with you, man. I, mm-hmm. I think it's absolutely ridiculous. Now, th- this was something I discussed on a, a very earlier podcast, and that is I don't I personally don't need the world's adulation. I do like to feel good, though. And, and, and this is this is maybe a shortcoming of myself. Maybe this is my own inner selfishness. I do like the, the recipient of who I'm doing the good action to, to have some level of gratitude in, in return. Again, it doesn't have to be like, thank you, thank you, Mr. Azrod on their hands and knees or whatever. But that's some that's a hurdle that I, you know, maybe one day I will overcome this. But for me, if I help somebody and then they just spit in my face and, and just are not grateful for it, I, I cannot continue helping them. Like that's just a, a line in the sand that I have. Maybe that has to do with a bit of pride that I still have left that I can't, I personally cannot help somebody who does not at least just express some kind of generosity in return. Aaron, you prideful bastard, you sicken me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. I mean, that's human. So it's what we, yeah. I mean, that's why we, that's why the saints, you know, the idea of the saint is incredible is the person who has, for some reason, one way or the other, been able to overcome that. The person who 
it doesn't matter if if he tries to help you and you give him a slap and a kick to the groin, he's like he's going to be there the very next day. Mm-hmm. We call those people fools, but so I understand that. I think that I that is that I, as a human being, that is very natural, and so yes, that that. It, but I, I do believe that is something that that does change. Now, another yeah, another area though that. I feel that I have pride in is when it comes to disrespect and, Mm. and like I, and here's the thing then, like if someone's disrespecting you, I think you do have to speak back and you do have to correct that behavior. And I think that does eminent as much as we profess that, Oh yeah, I'm just speaking out because I want to change that person or I want to make this world a better place. It's like, no, you're not. It's like your pride has been injured in some way. And now you're reclaiming your pride by speaking out about it. Let's just be real with ourselves here. So in a way, I I do think that that is some, like, even though that direct form of pride does have some narcissism and that your ego has been damaged and you have been disrespected, I, I do think that it does have like a, a healthy functional utility to it because like if someone's constantly disrespecting you and you just smile and take their shit well they're never going to get any better and no one's ever really going to respect you and you need a certain a certain level of respect in order to function in this world if you're if you're known as you know the doormat well you you can't even you don't you can't even function within this world properly because no one's taking you seriously yeah i can understand that so brav i totally i totally understand that here here's the thing there are two cultures in America that really, no, three cultures in America that really, really value respect. The black community, black culture values respect. Absolutely. There's no way an African mom, Jamaican mom, African-American mom or dad is going to take crap. No way. No way. I mean, even you have the Hispanic community, same thing. You have the Asian community. Now in the white community it's there but it's in a very different way so i have seen that this thing totally exists i mean it's nobody likes to be disrespected nobody likes to be (laughs) (laughs) nobody likes to be disrespected and if you disrespect if you disrespect someone and they don't do anything about it they're a punk they're a punk. Even parents feel that. If a if listen, when my there's there's a certain look my son gives me, and I think this boy's calling me a punk. <laughs> <laughs> he can't even talk yet, you know. <laughs> you, you think your daddy's a punk. Like, come at me, bro. <laughs> so no, no, I understand. I understand. I understand. I think it's true. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. Yeah, I think that there's a place where there's there's two sides of respect and those two sides are separated by a river there's a there's a there's the natural respect that's the, the way the respect naturally works which is you know an eye for an eye tooth for a tooth that's not a matter it's, it's that's just not a thing about justice it's also a thing about respect if a person if a person takes from you well you take yours right back okay okay you don't lose face now that's how it works on one side then there's the river in between. This river is kind of messed up because it's, this is when a person begins to think, okay, I don't want to operate that way anymore. I want to, I want to be different. I want to see, I want to, I want to interact with respect. I want to interact with my pride differently. So they're in this river and they're being knocked about. They look like complete arses because they, they look, I mean, have you ever tried walking through just a, a like a, like a, a stream, like ankle deep? Oh, you yeah. look like a, you could look like a fool. You're, you're raising your legs like it's your ch- like chest high, and you're struggling to keep your balance. So you're walking through this river, and you you look like a complete cat, a complete fool. And this is usually where you know you know um, young philosophers fall in because they really want to do these things differently, but they end up stumbling. They don't have their sea legs yet. It's where you find young, you know, a lot of religious people because they they know that um, God is calling them or telling them to behave differently, but they had, don't have their sea legs yet. It's where you find, you know, the very conscientious, you know, person who wants to be good, 
you go trying there, a lot of people are walking through this river and they don't know they don't have the sea legs so they end up looking foolish they want to throw the stone they want to they want to take the, they want to do the eye for an eye thing at the same time they want to turn the other cheek we can't do both and so you look very silly but on the other side we have people who have actually made it to the other side and who we do respect today i don't know if they had any respect back then but we, we respect them today when we look at when we look at socrates who was totally massively disrespected i mean that guy was accused falsely accused and then murdered but he died like a boss <laughs> you <laughs> he know and he drank that like, hemlock he's like screw you people i'm out of here <laughs> like a boss didn't curse them didn't throw stones nothing he just did it spoke made his case spoke adequately spoke spoke excellently excuse me spoke spoke accurately spoke excellently excellently and then died. Same thing with Christ. He was captured, lied against, beaten, spat upon, clothes are sold, and crucified. Didn't curse anybody, didn't spit on anybody. Didn't even, I mean, last words were Father, forgive them. I mean, not last, one of the last was Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay, listen to me. To me, that's bloody badass. That is bad. <laughs> That's something else. That's a man who's, who doesn't just have the sea legs, but probably made the bloody sea. And so you've got people, you've got people like that throughout history who are doing, who are playing on a de- very different level, playing a different game. They look, they look very, we still respect them. You know, we still respect them in, in spite of the whole story. Go on, please. So I think I, I think now I, I don't know if I've quite made it to the other side yet. I still think I'm um you know in the water right now trying to figure out my bearings. Um, but from what I'm gathering, and I, I think this makes a lot of sense, what you're saying here is essentially when someone disrespects you, speak your truth, but just don't take it to that little extra degree. You know, and I, you know, like 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 if someone spits at you or whatever, you don't just say thank you, sir. Thank you for spitting on me. Have a pleasant day. Like you say, you know, hey, you're wrong. Here's why you're wrong. You speak the truth. You point out that their action is flawed, but then you don't take the heaviest rock you can find and throw it back at them. Like there's a there's a way of like defending yourself, speaking your truth, uh, existing on that like higher, higher, like, like elevated field almost. You're like on an elevated field where you're not going to start throwing rocks down at the people below you. But at the same time, you can't just let them get away with it. So you speak the truth and say, hey, your behavior is wrong. It's kind of like, let's just say, for example, you have a kid, right? Yeah. This kid throws something at their parent, right? And let's just say the kid um, throw something at their parent. Now there has to be a punishment, but does that mean that the father with his full muscles, like punches his kid straight in the face using, you know, no, no, because the father both is physically more empowering and morally more empowering. And, and to, to actually deal a blow on a five-year-old like that is just morally wrong because the father is standing on a, a higher playing field, a higher understanding. And for him to do that would be wrong. However, what's equally as wrong is for the father to just take it and be like, I see you're, I see you're mad, Timmy. I apologize that I took away your Game Boy. No, 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 no. There has to be a consequence and there has to be a punishment. And that punishment could be that kid being sent to their room. That could be all of their privileges being taken away for a month. But the idea behind it is that you're defending the truth, but in a way that is respectable and in a way that that is not going extra. Like the idea is to speak the truth, but not go any extra than that. Absolutely. Dude, do you have a podcast that I can listen to? I think we should have a podcast. <laughs> Truth Island. I started a while ago. <laughs> oh my. You should check it out. You should check it out. No, I th- <laughs> yeah, I think it's it's a matter of anger. It's a matter of anger. You know, pride, injured pride expresses itself in anger. And so if you can get rid of it, that's why. So you never discipline your child when you're angry with your child. That's just, it's, I, I would say that's, um, that's where all kinds of nonsense happens. And that's hopefully parenting 101. If you're angry with the kid, don't say nothing. Don't do nothing because you're going to hurt him with your words or with your hands or whatever it is. Don't do nothing. The same thing is the same thing with, you know, with the person who is trying to disrespect you. You can't speak intelligently. 
you cannot speak adequately, you cannot speak excellently if you're angry. You just end up saying something stupid, insulting them, throwing a stone, blinding them, whatever it is you want to do. So it comes down to the pride. If a person insults you and you feel and you and 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 you and you understand because it has to do with understanding, and you understand, the, you understand what's going on. You understand what the world is really about. You understand the situation in a way that this person, well, this person does not. You will not be angry. You will address them not only as a human, but you will address them brilliantly. You will address them in a may in a way that they may actually reconsider their lives. This is very interesting because I, I, I think that maybe this is how I think that to some degree, maybe, you know, within the case of Jesus and Socrates, they knew that they were on the moral high ground. Like they, they knew that their morality was high and therefore there's no need like when when this person cruci- when the Romans crucified him or uh, in the case of Socrates when they forced him to drink the hemlock, there was no need for them to curse back and to violently claw their way you know into some kind of revenge. It was more of like, hey, I know that I have the higher moral ground here and I, I at a higher playing field and therefore I don't need to, combat these people in a lower way or, or in a way that's like less than becoming of, of, of what I've developed for myself. And, and it's almost, it's, it's really a twisted journey because on one hand, it's like you clean your room and that's done out of shame and humility. And then, then you help other people. And then that's how you actually find true pride is when you kind of admit all the things that are wrong with you. And then it comes to a point where you, you're not prideful in the rich dude who's giving people Mercedes and boasting about it. You're prideful in the way of like, hey, man, I know that I've, I'm secure in the fact that I figured this, this thing out, and therefore I'm not going to hit you back. <laughs> <laughs> okay, wicked. I'm glad, I'm glad you brought that up. Okay, so <laughs> that, that scenario is perfect. And here's why. I, I, and I don't think it's pride, and here's why. Because... Pride is an in, is a how you say is an inadequate view. Pride is a um, is either a grandiose or a um, you know less than view, right? So wherever pride exists, it's almost like it it skews the, it's it 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 messes you know messes with 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 the vision or the communication of a thing. So for someone like Mike Tyson to say, I can kill you with one punch isn't pride. He means it because it's true. He can mm-hmm. do that. He can kill you with one punch. Now, the pride comes in if he enjoys the fact that he can kill you with one punch. Mm-hmm. I like that. So for him to say that, bruv, I can do this and I don't want to go to jail. <laughs> I don't want to go to jail tonight. He could That's, do that because it's self-defense. In that case, he would not even go to jail. So it would take real yeah. restraint for him to hold back it, on that. It would be, yeah. No, even even if, yeah, it's it's restraints. It's 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 a proper evaluation of the situation. He can do it, but he will not do it for one reason or the other. We can give him a reason. He doesn't want to hurt you. You know, he's come to some other understanding of the world, sure. But if he enjoyed the fact that even and even if he and if he enjoyed the fact of him telling you that he could do this and not want to do this, then that's pride. Mm-hmm. But there are people who can tell you that simply as a matter of fact, I could do this, but I'm not going to. Doesn't feel he's not really enjoying it. He's just communicating information to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so I believe that the pride is in the enjoyments of that fact. Or, yes. Uh, not, yeah, yeah. No, I, I think I think you're spot on there. So you have pride, like so I, I think that like proper self-defense or proper like, man, you know, it looks like we're gonna have to go to war with Hitler, you know, that's not necessarily like the wrong type of pride. That's pride in like we need to 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 battle a greater evil or or you know, it, and it basically comes down to truth. But then if you are doing this for silly reasons. I, th- I think that's also another element to this. Like if, if, if like, l- let's just say someone walked to Mike Tyson and just verbally insulted him. Well, that would not necessarily, there, there could be a good argument to be made that that would not 
necessitate physical violence, right? Like there's, yep. he could be yep. the he could be the bigger man in that sense. So if someone, let's say, made fun of Mike Tyson and then he punched him in the face to show him who's who, well, that could be pride out of enjoyment because his his well being was not directly um, like, like in danger in any such way. So that's pride out of enjoyment. Like, Hey, I shut that guy's mouth and look, look, look how powerful I am. So I think you're right. I think anytime that we relish in our talents or in our abilities, then we are engaged in the wrong type of pride. Yeah. Yeah. But there's, but here's the thing. It comes in. Someone says, but you know, um, Mr. Azurad, I really enjoy drawing. I just really like it and I'm good at it. And I like drawing. Am I prideful? Well, then, then we have a problem because now, is it that even when one is good at the thing, good to good at doing something, whether it's painting, music, whatever it may be, should are they prideful because they enjoy those skills that they have? Okay, I, I think I have the answer to this. I, I think I have it. I think on this podcast, you know, we all say brilliant things and so forth, but. I never let that linger in my head for too long because I know that it is highly dangerous. It is highly dangerous to think of myself as brilliant. Why? Because the second I think of myself as being a brilliant philosopher, well, then I'm not going to really listen to others and I'm going to start negating, you know, advice and truth and other things that surround me. So in the instance of your artist friend, that artist friend should be like, I make art. I, I make art. I consider myself okay, whatever, like, like, that's it. Just be humble. Even if that is Picasso, even if you're talking with the next Picasso or Michelangelo, that person should still have like the humbleness and not fake humility. Like, Oh, I only have $3 million. No, no, no. Like, 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 like that person still needs to carry themselves with a degree of humility because they have to be open to the fact that no matter how great of an artist that they are, there's always room for innovation and there's always room for improvement. So again, like I said, I, I fashion us pretty decent philosophers, but the second I start thinking of, of myself as being brilliant, you got to get that out of your head. Cause I think that is the raw, that's the evil type of pride. Once you have evil type of pride in your head, I, you know, one of the things that I do, and this always humbles me is anytime that I think like I have a lot of verbal ability, right? But I really suck in math. So the second my like pride in the ver yeah, you got your hand raised, awesome, my friend, right? I think like the second my pride gets too high, doing some like GRE math problems just immediately humbles the shit out of me. I think I think that's kind of why God made me bad at math because He knew if I had it all, then I would have I, I would be crazy. So I think I think like doing something that we're bad at. Yeah. Um, is a great way to once again humble yourself again and then respect have a healthy respect for humanity of like ah okay I'm, i you know like i have talent maybe in this one facet but there's so much about this world that i utterly suck at and so much in this world that i utterly need other people's help with yeah bloody bloody yeah Kenny, thank you so much for being on the show today. Hopefully this hopefully this didn't go to your head, my friend. <laughs> I am the greatest man alive. <laughs> Take care. Take care, my friend. Thank you so much for having me, bro. This concludes the hundredth episode of the Truth Island Podcast. I'm Aaron Azrod. <laughs>